0: Hello there today canine fitness one of my favorite topics to talk about but I find there is a common question and concern I hear over and over when I interview people and I talk with them about canine fitness everybody wants to know about exercises and program design things they can do with their dog but one of the biggest concerns I have when I hear people meeting with me asking about fitness is I wanna do more with my dog. I I want to get my dog more fit, but I'm really concerned about doing it properly. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know if I'm doing enough and I'm worried about doing too much and actually hurting my dog. And when people come to me without having a formal background in training in canine fitness, I would say this is probably the biggest concern that I hear again and again is, It's not just what do I do, but how do I know that I'm doing this? How do I know how much to push my dog? When is it too much? How do I know when I'm not maybe not doing enough? And a lot of people get their dog to a certain level of fitness, but they're nervous and scared to go to the next step because they don't know how to do it. And the big concern is what if I do it wrong? What if I am doing it wrong right now? And what if I injure my dog? This is a topic that I'm going to be covering today. And I'm going to be giving you some key things that you really, really need to understand if you're going to, whether it's exercise, a training program, enhancing fitness, these are concepts that you want to apply as you're progressing, trying to take your dog to the next level. And understanding these concepts, applying these concepts are going to be ways to help prevent injury and also give you more confidence in knowing what you're doing is potentially setting your dog up for success and not for failure and not for injury. So thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Erica Bowling. I'm the owner and founder of Northeast Canine Conditioning. If you're just now joining in, super excited to have you. Um, I'm gonna, I want us to have different examples. We're gonna look at sports, different types of sports and jobs that we do with our dogs. And uh, I'm gonna be giving you different examples along the way of how we think about and apply these concepts to canine fitness. So it's going to be really helpful if you let me know what is it that you do with your dogs? Um, is it predominantly pet dogs? Are, are you looking at um, hiking more? Are you looking at improving dock diving, lure coursing? Do you have a working dog and you want your dog to maybe search longer? Maybe you've got a search and rescue dog that you want to um, be able to bounce back day after day and that dog can search without getting fatigued very easily, let me know and I will build in some examples throughout for you. So let's dive right in. Hey Charlie, yeah, I love this topic. I love this topic. Oh, um, if you want a copy uh, of like my notes from the show, I don't have them right now, but in about a week or so, um, just, just leave me uh, a message and just say uh, notes and when I do have them available, um, the slides are either a uh, summary of today, let me know and I'll get that out to you. So, all right, let's 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 hop right in. And um, so here, like again, <laughs> this is the biggest thing. People are like, oh, okay, am I doing it right? Am I doing it right? Um, am I going to hurt my dog? I'm not, I, I wanna do more, but I'm scared to do more because I don't know if I'm doing it right. So two key things, there are many, many things to consider, but the two things I'm gonna show you next, I think, I think these are two of the, the prime considerations that you really, you must understand and you must apply if you're going to see progress, if you're going to see improvement and you have to understand this so that you can minimize the chance for injury. Now, we're never 100 guaranteed that, you know, we're not gonna, our dogs won't get injured. I mean, they're animals, we can't control everything they do. And also some of us participate in sports and activities that, you know, inherently they have risks, but this will definitely help set you up for success. So let's, um, let's go over the first one. Oh, um, some of you, I know last time I had people trying to take notes really quickly. Um, if you let me know again that you want the notes, um, you don't have to worry about copying from the slides so much. I'll get this information to you. So the first thing that you need to understand if you want your dog to get to the next level, whatever activity you're doing, is understanding the, the, the concept, the principle of progressive overload. Have any of you heard of this before? If we have any fitness trainers, any human fitness trainers here, personal trainers, you might be familiar with this concept. Charlie, you, you've heard it before. You've probably heard me talking about it before on, our, our, on the, these live shows. But progressive overload, what is that? I'm gonna give you a definition and I'll put it a little bit more layman's terms. So in order for the body to get stronger and faster, workouts need to become progressively more challenging. And then the next thing is this is a fundamental principle for success when designing fitness pro programs and um this is something we apply this could be for your own personal fitness it could be for your dog's fitness it could be for your horse's fitness <laughs> right hey kathy thanks for joining us but progressive overload the key here the biggest mistake i see people do here is they are not consistent so In order for your dog, your your body to get stronger, for your dog's bodies to get stronger, to get faster, to get more flexible, you have to take your body to the next level. You have to progressively in small increments overload the system, overload the body so that it can adapt. And your body adapts at like a cellular level. Your your body adapts anaerobically, cardiovascularly. Your body adapts by the way it repairs muscles as your muscles get stronger. So this is grounded in science. And it is a concept, like I said, it's not just for our canines, not just for dogs. And when you are progressively overloading and you're wanting to work faster, you're wanting to work longer, you're wanting to work harder, if you take too much time off, what happens? You get deconditioned. So I see a lot of people that have a lot of these pieces that are the right pieces to create that program, but when they're putting the puzzle pieces together, the missing component is, that overload has to be progressive. Periodically we have to revisit, challenge, and push and go to the next level. And if there's too much time off, if we take a few weeks, a month off, if we stop doing a particular activity and we jump back into it, we're not at the same level. So now we gotta go back and progressively overload to build the body back up. So I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, right now, um, we went through a season with a lot of ice and a lot of bad weather, weeks where I haven't been able to do my running, canny cross. Before this bad weather, I was getting up to five miles with my dog, okay? In a matter of weeks, it's probably been about maybe eight weeks. uh, I've been exercising, but not at that same level. And I tell you, I went out today for three miles, walking, jogging, walking, jogging, and my fitness and my dog's fitness is not the same as it was. So we were progressively overloading in the fall, we were building up to five miles and more. And then we had um, sporadic training. When I did train, I couldn't do five miles, I had to go a lot slower because of the ice and I had to do more walking. And then now we got deconditioned, we're not at the same level we were. And now we have to progressively build up and overload. I'm going to give you some examples of where that fits in. So, oh yes, Amelia, ge- gearing up for the fast cat. That's gonna be something definitely you wanna, you want to, <laughs> Kate said you got fat. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't have a scale. I have no idea if I got heavier, but um, I know my, my dogs went up and down depending on our activity. <laughs> but, um, but again, this is something that we need to consider. The way I look at it, if, if I'm not doing an activity, myself or my dog, if I'm not doing it consistently at least once or twice a week, if I'm doing it maybe once a week, once every ten days, once every two weeks, I don't really consider that as like a solid part of my fitness program. I I feel like if I if I've not been consistently out there exercising um, more frequently, I I'm not really starting from scratch, but I'm definitely coming back down from where I was, and I have to build back up. So there's those a couple things we have to consider here is progressively overloading, but also we don't. We don't wanna to go too quickly overloading because then we set our dog up for injury, but also if we progress too slowly, then our dog doesn't get stronger, doesn't get faster, okay? Um, and I'm gonna give you some thoughts and some ideas of how we, how we do piece this together, but this is a very, very important thing to think about. And here's something I think we're all very guilty of is we have our regular training routine and we pretty much stick to the same training routine. How many of you do that? Like your training routine is like, you know, every Tuesday, Thursday, and it's for 20 minutes, or you do your healing patterns, and you do your bite work, and it's the same kind of routine. It's the same, approximately the same amount of time, the same days during the week, right? We're we're creatures of habit. The danger in this is if you're falling into that same routine that you've been doing week after week after week, your dog's hit a plateau, and your dog's not going to get any stronger, any faster, any more flexible. That's the danger is, is um, especially for advanced level training, right? Um, you might be training three days a week, four days a week, five days a week. But if you're not progressively overloading, your dog's body's gonna modify, is your, the, the, the dog's body is going to adapt and then it's just gonna hit a plateau or get deconditioned. So that's a concept that you need to definitely keep in, uh, in mind when you're thinking about your fitness exercise training programs. The next thing is periodization. So this is a structured approach to training that involves gradual cycling of various aspects of your program during a specific period of time. And some key words here is it's a cycle. It's a revisiting and it's different aspects of your program. And let me put it maybe in a little bit simpler words. So with our dogs, we need need a structured training routine that progressively overloads the dog's body making it stronger, making it faster, making it more flexible, whatever your focus is, while, this is a key point here now, while also building in periods of time for rest and recovery before increasing the workload again. So there's some really important key words here is, you have to overload, you need rest and recovery, and you need that before you start increasing again. So where does this fall apart for people? I already mentioned one is we're not consistent. The other thing is that people will be pushing and they overload, 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 overload. So let's say we are on a treadmill and our dog's going maybe um, 20 minutes on the treadmill and we go three days a week. And the next week we go um, 20 minutes, then we go 25 minutes, then we go 30 minutes, then we go 35 minutes, then we go 40 minutes. And you're making large jumps and you're going progressively overload, 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 and you're kind of forgetting about those cycles of rest and recovery, ease back and then build back up. And the other thing is jumping forward too quickly. This is a very, very general rule of thumb. You might've heard me talk about it before, but I think of increments in like 10%, right? So if I go from a 20 minute run on the treadmill to 30 minutes, that is much more than a 10% increment increase. And here's another thing I see people do, is they they do training maybe one or once or twice a week. And then the next week they increase it, then the next week they increase it, then the next week they increase it. Well, if you're only doing it like one day a week, you're not really giving your dogs that body that much time to adapt to the exercise and you're already increasing it. You're already overloading yet again the very next week. So these are things you really, really have to be careful not to do is if you're not training very frequently, you can't just keep increasing the next week on the treadmill and the next week and the next week. No matter what training it is you're doing, if you're doing bite work. Let's say um, here's you might be doing bite work and you're training one day a week in protection sports, right? And then you have a seminar and you do three days of solid bite work. That is not a progressive overload. You went from doing training one day a week for maybe an hour or two, and then all of a sudden you're doing a seminar three days in a row. Maybe you're going, you're getting two sessions or three sessions each day. That is not progressive. You're definitely overloading. <laughs> you're definitely overloading, but it's not progressive. And your dog that hasn't have had an opportunity for that recycling of rest and recovery. Okay, maybe they, you know, overnight they get to sleep. They don't even have 24 hours, and they're back out the next day in the seminar. So. That's why I say these. There are a lot of different concepts and principles for exercise science that we apply to our program design. But these, I, to me, these are two of, of, of the primary ones where I see people really getting things wrong and messing things up, either because they don't understand how it works, um, or they're doing they're doing things that I like. I just gave you examples, right? Um, and Charlie says you're always confused about how much rest time is appropriate between heavier training sessions. And that is something we're gonna talk about in a a minute here on, uh, I have a couple slides where we're gonna talk about considerations. Because there are various variables that are going to impact depending on what you're doing will determine how much rest you need. But think about humans. Um, I will say this, like for example, in strength training, we don't have like a lot of science, research, solid research behind strength training on dogs like we do on humans. But look at humans when we think about um, Muscle recovery, right? If I go out and I'm lifting really, really heavy weights and my muscles are really sore, like when you get sore, normally within the next 24 to 48 hours. So if I go out and I'm lifting weights really heavy and I go out less than 24 hours later and I'm pushing it again, that I, you can feel it right in your body. Your body's not had time to recover. The problem with our dogs is that they can't say, oh, my, you know, I'm, well, they can say it, but they don't say it verbally, they say it in other ways right, um, subtle signs of soreness and pain, which I have a slide about that in a second. But these are things that we need to be uh, be aware of. So there's a lot of different variables. And Charlie, one of the things we have to understand is you have to be really, really in tune with your dog to pick up some of these subtle signs of whether your dog is ready to progress or not ready to progress. And I'm gonna give you some some key things you might wanna look for. But um, one here's another thing i see people do is they'll they'll get a program and then they just follow this program kind of religiously and it doesn't matter what the program says because your dog may be having a bad day and you have to catch those signs that you know what today is not the day to push my dog to the next level maybe i need another week even though my original plan was not to wait a week we really have to be in tune with our dogs and we also have to understand the concepts and principles around exercise science and know what the body is doing when it's recovering. Um, But this is something, like I said, especially when you're building and um, adding and overloading the body, you cannot forget about cycling back for rest and recovery. Um, Anybody here run marathons? Um, I used to, it's been quite a long time. Uh, And if you go online and you look, a a, a neat thing to do is to look at some of the marathon training programs. Even if you don't run marathons, I would encourage you to do this, is to Google and look at, um, just search, you don't have to do it right now, but search for like beginner marathon training programs, intermediate uh, marathon training programs, advanced marathon training programs. And uh, if they do it right, if you get it from a reputable source, (laughs) it's really interesting, you will see this. When you look at your weekly runs, You'll have like one day a week that's your long run, and then you'll have other days that you don't run as long. And you'll see that um, usually what happens is on that long run day, you'll have overloaded, you'll start to increase your mileage, and then you'll have a week where you actually back down. You actually do less. And then you'll have another week where you build up, and then you add mileage, and then you'll actually back down. And it's a really great way to kind of see it in action, Um, Look at a beginner, a good example would be um, a beginner program for a marathon runner and watch how the distance, the the number of days, and look at how the distance change, how it goes up and then it backs down and then it goes up and then it backs down. And that's a nice example to see where overloading is happening and the periodization is happening over weeks or months of training. It's a great example. So let me give you um, a few more things to consider now. So when you're thinking about increasing performance, increasing fitness, increasing strength, you need to think about what is one a key goal that you have. And I'm going to give you different variables to think about, but pick one key thing. Um, so and um, and comment, tell me what it is. So like right now, for with Knox and um, with Knox and me, our main goal right now is to build up our intensity of our run. We did three miles today, but it wasn't very intense. <laughs> we had a lot of walk breaks. <laughs> I was getting out of breath. <laughs> and, um, and I would say intensity. I, I wanna keep doing what I'm doing right now. I've been doing it about three days a week, but I wanna build intensity, intensity and running. So pick one thing one thing that you're wanting to focus on. Um, was it, Amelia, you said you're doing um, Fast Cat, right? You're training for the Fast Cat. So um, if you're still here, um, Amelia, think about what is it, uh, and Amelia's a graduate of our Elite on Athlete Program, so she probably has some clear ideas. She should have some clear ideas of what she's wanting to build upon, but think about what one thing, and you wanna separate whether it's speed or power or distance, and you're going to build around that. And let me give you some things to think about as you're deciding what to focus on. So this is another principle we think about um, uh, building fitness programs and, and exercise, is the fit principle is frequency, intensity, time, and type. So when you're building a fitness program, even when you're just looking at your general training, you need to consider each one of these variables. So frequency would be like I tra- um I take my dog out three three days a week for a run. Intensity <laughs> on average we're probably averaging like a 12 minute mile, maybe more when there's ice. <laughs> um we do jogging, we're not do we we're not doing hard sprinting. Um and we do have some walk breaks. Okay, so the intensity is not quite moderate. <laughs> The amount of time that we're doing it I'll, I didn't I, I I timed it today. I can't remember what it was, but we were out today for about I think forty minutes and the type is canny cross. so um canny is we're both jogging or walking and running. he has a harness he's attached to me and he's pulling me. so it's not just off leash running it's not running next to me. he's actually pulling me so there's resistance so. So great, so Marty says aerobic for an old dog. So aerobic, good. So you're for um, aerobic, so you're looking at more like a longer distance, more time, right? Versus sprinting, um, building up just general overall cardio. Good. So one of the things we wanna think about is when you're building up your fitness program, there's a couple of things actually. One thing is that these variables are related. They're connected and they're interrelated and they can, they affect each other. I'm going to give you some examples in just a second. Another thing is that when you're ready to overload, remember when to overload to get to the next level, I would recommend choosing one variable that you're going to increase. Just one. And you're going to want to work at that work at that level for a while, preferably a few times a week before you increase it again. So let me give you some examples, um, and this also also kind of touches upon Charlie's question about um, rest. So if I'm going super hard, let's look at um, intensity and time. So if I'm running really, really hard, sprinting really hard, I'm not going to be able to run as long and as far as if I took a nice casual jog, right? So if I'm sprinting, and I'm more intense, my time is going. I'm not gonna be able to maintain the same type of, uh, the amount of workload that I'm doing and the the distance whenever I'm just taking it nice and easy, an aerobic nice easy jog, right? Um, And intensity and time also, when I think about if I work really, really hard, my recovery time is going to take longer. Whereas if I'm not pushing so hard, my recovery time is going to be less. So let's go back to the question about recovery time. So if I'm working like today, I actually, um, I was running today and there were more hills than normal because the trails I go on are um, closed due to mud season. So because of the hills, I was working a lot harder than when I run on the flat. And so my recovery time, I can already feel my legs are a little sore and I, I only went running a few hours ago. And last week when I was running on the flat, Um, I wasn't sore at all. So because I was running harder, the intensity was a lot harder, and I overloaded a little bit because it was a different type of training than what I've been doing. I did do it more slowly. My body's gonna need more time to recover. If I had done a nice easy jog, um, nice and flat, I didn't push myself, I may be able to go out tomorrow and I'd be perfectly fine. I'm guessing I'm gonna be a little more sore tomorrow. So I'm gonna make sure that I get, I'm gonna take at least 48 hours. Um, before I push myself again, right? So, so this is also what makes it really hard when people they want like black and white answers. How um a warm, how long should a warm-up exercise be? Well, it depends on how intense are you working your dog. And the intensity that you're working also can depend on variables like the temperature and the humidity. So if it's hot and humid out, my dog's gonna work harder than if it's say 45 degrees Fahrenheit and low humidity. So so I can't give you like kind of black and white, well, you know, go for this many minutes and rest for this many minutes. But what I want you to make sure you understand is the concept of the fit principle. If you're out training your dog today and you're pushing your dog more intensely than your dog's been doing normally, your dog probably will need a little more recovery time than what you've done in the past. And let's go back to the changing of the variables. So, um, so Marty, let's go for like aerobic. So Marty, you need to decide if you're gonna take your dog to the next level and you're working on aerobic capacity, which variable are you going to change when your dog is ready to be pushed to the next level? And what I would say is before you build up intensity is get a nice solid foundation. If you are not exercising, at least, depending on the exercise, at least a couple times a week, I would say keep the intensity down, don't go crazy on the time, choose the type of exercise, and build a foundation. How many days per week do you want for your foundation? Like right now, my foundation is, let's just keep it at three miles. I'm not ready to advance to five miles, I wanna build a foundation, three miles and then when I, we get a nice steady three days a week, three miles, then I'm going to build up intensity. Then when I can keep up a nice steady workout at three times a week at three miles, that's my foundation I'm giving, then I'm going to start pushing further and I will start increasing distance. Now, one variable at a time, when I'm increasing the distance, I'm increasing also the time, I am not going to add intensity. I am not going to add a bunch more days of running. I'm gonna choose one variable once I have my foundation and I'm going to now pick one and I'm gonna start spending more time and add more distance, right? So um, Marty said, um, different muscle groups on the incline and how much resistance. <laughs> so you're uh, uh, fat running, more, more resistance. So here's the thing is, um, when you're on an incline, that's gonna increase the intensity most definitely and what i would recommend is if you have a dog that is not already well conditioned and you don't already have a foundation say you know three days a week of strength training or two days at least two days a week um and you're not consistent you want to make sure you're consistent with it i would get the foundation first get up more frequency get a nice get more time into it before you add intensity because here's the thing is when you add intensity it adds more stress on the body When you add intensity and strength training, when you add more intensity on running and sprinting, when you add hill work, it's adding more stress on the body and it's stressing the tendons, the ligaments, the soft tissues more. So you wanna get that foundation first. You wanna get consistency. You wanna make sure you're getting out there every week. You wanna make sure, depending on the intensity of the activity, um, if I'm doing hard strength training, I'm not gonna do five days a week. If I'm doing really, really easy strength training, then I may do it, you know, for an older dog, strength training might be walking up the stairs. And your dog might walk up the stairs every day. But that's not super intense for your dog, hopefully. And so you can do it more frequently. If I'm gonna be doing weight pulling, and i'm doing heavy weight pulling and it's harder on my dog that is definitely going to put more stress on the body and so i'm not going to increase the intensity and strain the body until my dog has a nice baseline fitness level and so um um, so for marty oh yeah marty's uh does uh, works with us the sled dogs so um so the resistance also exactly the resistance on the sled, or if you're running or jogging on the ground, right? If you're running in sand versus if you're running um, on soft dirt or in the mud, or you're running on a hard surface, right? That's going to change the intensity. Also, keep in mind if it's a really hard surface, it's more jarring and wear and tear, such as on pavement, which I would not recommend, right? So yes, Marty. So um, so if your dog is going to be pulling and you're pulling a sled and you're wanting to build up aerobic capacity, if your dog doesn't have that really nice solid foundation, you might wanna build up a few days a week and not have them go a longer distance, right? Especially with the resistance training if they've not been doing that resistance very much. So, so it get, it, I know it can get a bit complicated here, but the thing you need to decide is, you need to decide what is your goal. And you need to decide what is the one area that you're wanting to focus on. And you need to dedicate to that more than just a week, more than just two weeks. Um, there was a research study where they did uh, cardio training on treadmills with a, a group of dogs, and they saw the greatest um, increase in the, in the body adapting to it in the first four weeks. After that, the dogs continued to improve, but the, the greatest improvement cardiovascularly was in the first four weeks. So I like to just use that as a general rule of thumb is if I'm um, really wanting to go to that next level, I wanna give my dog uh, a minimum of two weeks depending on how hard I'm working my dog, if not four weeks to get acclimated to that new level of training before I advance. And remember, that's more than just one day a week. If you're doing it one day a week, uh, depending on what you're doing, I'm not sure how much your dog can actually progress. So that's why I say work on the frequency build um build up some time um um, build that foundation before you start adding um and that's the same with like resistance training before you're doing heavy drag work you might you know want to really work on doing have the dog do strength training where they're using their body weight doing balancing um you know um hill training right walking up a steep hill they're going to be working their hindquarters more and using body weight before you start putting external weights that they're dragging behind them because that's going to take it to the next level. Right? So Charlie has a question. Can balance body awareness and static um, strengthening on a client be done on a daily basis. So, um, Charlie, you have to go back to think about what it is you're doing because it's going to totally depend on the intent. So Charlie wants to do something on a daily basis. So we have to think about what is the type of exercise you're doing, what is the intensity that you're working your dog, and how much time are you spending doing it? So if I'm doing something, let's say like um, a climb. Let me look at your question again. So if I have a dog and let's say he's balanced, I have an advanced dog. He's very, very fit, an adult dog. And all of this I'm referring to, I'm not talking about puppies at all today, okay? This is for physically mature dogs. So let's say that um, my dog is very healthy, very fit, an advanced fitness program. He's in really good condition, right? He's used to training multiple times a week. And maybe I'm doing some balancing on a disc and he's sitting on a disc or he's putting his front feet on the disc and he's sitting and standing. Like that is not, that is not, overloading my dog that is not pushing my dog my dog balancing on a disc again if he's already has that solid foundation sit and stand right he does sit and stand all day long like that's not that's not an issue so could he do something like that every day yeah that's not that's not going to phase him one bit am I going to do a lot of it a lot of repetitions every single day no would I do that with my senior dog definitely not because my senior dog my 11 and a half year old dog, when he sit just to sit and stand and sit and down, like that is, that's a lot harder for my senior dog than my younger dog because he doesn't have as much muscle. He's weaker. He has bad balance. His, you know, his, his mobility is deteriorating. So um, the intensity for my senior dog to sit, just to sit and stand, it is harder for him than my younger dog. So for that dog, for example, Charlie, for, the, for my older dog, I most definitely would not do it every day. And, um, and some of those easy, easy exercises with the equipment, I won't do at all because he, he can't do it, he's not strong enough. And um, some of the other strengthening exercises I might do maybe at a, at a low intensity, maybe two times a week maybe maybe 3 is really going to depend but some of the, even the basic stuff on the fitness equipment he's just not strong he's been having some mobility issues so that's why you really need to look at the variables and you have to think about what is your dog used to what is your dog acclimated to so if your dog if my dog is used to doing those types of activities on a daily basis and he's used to doing it running you know running around in the backyard going up and down stairs my senior dog struggles up and down the stairs you have to think about what is your dog already used to doing, what is the expectation, and you also have to think about how strenuous is the workload for your dog. Um, I will say this, anything that's high impact, you definitely, I would I would recommend if it's high impact, you know, um, jumping for example, um, jumping um, off a hurdle jump, you know, higher distances, higher impact, that is something that I would not wanna do on a daily basis just because of the wear and the tear on the body. Um, So these are the things that you need to think about whenever you're building up that fitness program is you need to be thinking about progressive overload. You need to overload the body, right? Push the body a little bit more, but you have to consider that concept of periodization. You have to do cycles of it. You need to go back and give them rest and recovery, build them back up, rest and recovery, take it easier, back off on your distance, back off on your repetitions, maybe give a rest day and then build back up. And, um, Choose one variable at a time when you're ready to progress. And all of this, you must consider where are you starting from? What is your baseline? Because remember, I told you, you can't, over, you can't go from doing exercises one day a week to all of a sudden doing them five days a week. So Charlie, we'll go back to Charlie's example. If your dog is not used to doing exercises, say on the climb and on the disc, you're not doing it at all. I most definitely, even if it's an easy exercise, I am not gonna do it five days a week. I've just overloaded my dog, asking my dog to do something. He's gone from like zero times a week or once a week to all of a sudden five times a week. You've just overloaded the body without giving it time to adapt. Even an easy exercise. What I do if a dog is really um, healthy and fit, if it's a new exercise, even though it might be a little bit too easy for the dog, I still back the dog off and I progressively overload because I want to take a couple weeks just to make sure that adding this to the routine of the dog, even if it's an easy exercise, just by adding a new routine, I want to make sure that my dog is handling that well, even if it's a little easy for them. Give them a couple weeks just to monitor and make sure there's no kind of weird side effects. Then I'll put the, the more fit dogs will advance more quickly, but I will start them still like a beginner if they're not used to doing it on a weekly basis. Um, so you have to you have to consider what your starting point is and don't overload it. If your dog's only doing it one day a week, then in week number two, you shouldn't be doing it five times a week, right? You're welcome, Charlie. I have a couple more slides. I can't remember what's on the next slide. Let's see what I have in the next one. So let me give you another example. Okay, um, let's give a, a treadmill example. So three days a week, the intensity is a steady, tr- a steady trot, no incline. The time is 30 minutes and the type is an electric treadmill. okay? So I need to decide um, depending what my goals are. My goal might be that I need to build a faster dog. So if my goal is to build a faster dog, then I'm not necessarily going to increase 30 minutes and I'm not gonna add time. Instead for a faster dog, um, that's a whole other conversation with like power and speed, but with a faster dog, I'm gonna look at strength training. Um, I'll be have a separate strength training program. But um, for a faster dog, I may, depending on my focus, one of the variables I might do is, here we go, here's what I might do. A faster dog, I wanna increase the intensity, right? So instead of doing a trot, let's do a fast run, a sprint. So. If I'm changing my dog to a sprint and he's used to going 30 minutes, do you think I'm going to sprint him for 30 minutes? (laughs) No. So if I'm going to choose, remember these, um, these, these principles and these concepts, they're interrelated. So if I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to stop, I'm going to take Monday and I'm not going to do a steady trot. Instead, I'm going to sprint my dog really fast. What am I going to do? I have to cut back on my time because sprinting, remember the intensity, this is pushing the body harder, it's putting more stress on the body. And remember, that they're almost um, opposites, right? The the more intense that I'm doing, I can't keep up that intensity for as long. So if I decide I'm gonna choose one day, I'm gonna choose a sprint day, I'm gonna have to really back off on that 30 minutes. And I may do two days of 30 minutes, and then I may do, um, I may only do 10 minutes, I may do a a, a a warm up. I may do a steady trot, and I may do three short little sprints. Maybe I just do like 30, not even 30 seconds, I might do 15, 20 seconds. And I may do just a couple, and that's it, right? And I'm gonna do that for a few weeks, building up my sprinting, before I start to either add more sprints or more time. And remember, pick a variable. So let's say we're sprinting on a Monday and you're ready to overload. What do you wanna do? Do you wanna add a second day of sprinting? Or do you wanna do more sprints on Monday? So you need to decide what's important to you. I would say for the, if you're doing a sport with a lot of anaerobic activities, you might wanna pick up a a second day versus just doing a whole tons of sprinting one day a week, right? Just to know how our body um, adapts to exercise. If I'm only doing sprinting just one day a week, one day a week, um, and if my sport is predominantly sprinting, I personally would probably build in two days a week of sprinting and maybe one day a week of uh, aerobic cardio for 30, 40 minutes, nice and steady. But I'm going to do the sprinting slowly. I'm not going to go from three days a week of a trot to three days a week of a sprint. And I'm not going to add sprinting on Monday and Wednesday. I'm going to sprint maybe one day and then build up. See how my dog adapts to that. Take a couple weeks, build up a Monday. And then when I'm really happy with my sprinting on Monday, maybe I'll modify my Tuesday. So I I have to think about the variable that I'm playing with and I have to consider how it's impacting the other variables because as you see right here, I actually had to back down from my time because my intensity made a big jump from a trot to a sprint, a hard run. I greatly have to decrease that time. Now, if I do interval training, that's a little bit different because I might do a nice steady trot, a real short sprint, bring my dog back to a steady trot. But if my dog's not used to doing intervals, I'm maybe gonna ease it in one day first and then I'll build it up. Maybe I'll build up eventually over weeks, build up two days a week of interval training, maybe three weeks, uh, three days of interval training. But I have to do it incrementally. I'm not gonna overload three days. And that's, I see so many people doing this. They, um, for example, we get a treadmill and I want to put it on an incline. And let's say you do treadmill Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This is what I see people do. They'll do Monday, Wednesday, Friday treadmill on the flat, on the flat, on the flat. And then they do Monday, Wednesday, Friday on an incline. So they just went from all three days on on a flat and they're doing 30 minutes. And then all all of a sudden they took three days a week. They went from no days a week on incline. Overnight, they did three days of incline. What did they just do? They just really overloaded the dog's body without giving the dog's body time to, to adapt to that exercise. Does that make sense? So, that, um, so that's an example. Um, other, um, other examples would be, uh, let's say if, um, here's another example, is um, somebody might already have a really nice sprinting routine. Maybe you have a lower coursing dog and you're only doing it one day a week on Saturdays during training or, or competition. So based on what I just said, what would be ideal to try to get sprinting in more than one day a week? So if somebody is doing sprinting one day a week, um, I wouldn't necessarily increase the intensity. They're already sprinting. I wouldn't necessarily increase more repetitions on Saturday. I wouldn't necessarily increase um, the amount of time on Saturday. I would say you need to build a baseline. And your baseline probably get a base of sprinting. You probably want to do it more than just one day a week because that's not giving your dog much time to adapt to that um, exercise, to overload, to take them to the next level. Would I do sprinting, high-intense sprinting, five days a week? No, not if my dog is super, super intense. I think about, you know, um, our sight hounds. Like they are all out, like 110 percent. They run hard. Am I going to do that five days a week because of the intensity of it? No, I'm not, um, because it's it's so much uh, more stress on the body because it's so intense. And and you have to consider the type of dog and the drive of the dog also. Does that make sense? Some dogs just don't have that drive, <laughs> my doberman it didn't matter like how hard you ran you ran her. She was never going to go at hundred percent. She just didn't have that drive to like push at that level um and so uh you you do have to consider those types of things um Marty said, um rest buddy days will be um work brain days too. um so you still um so it's an interesting question um definitely when you're resting the body you can still be doing things to um to you know keep the dog engaged um mentally right but um be careful if you're doing a lot of training this is what happens when people are competing at high levels and they're doing like high level competition you know week after week after week is sometimes your dogs when you're looking at overtraining which for most people that's not an issue, but when you're looking at overtraining and the side effects of overtraining, sometimes you really, the dogs need a physical break and a mental break. Um, most people I know that's not an issue, but there's a very small percentage of people where there's the danger of overtraining and those dogs will need, I would argue would need more a mental break and, um, and a physical break, a shift in activity, right? Um, I know people that they'll give their dogs like a whole month off, they work really hard, and they compete internationally. And they'll take one to two months where the dog is just like, just be a dog, the dog just gets to be a dog. Um, so those are some things to consider. So um, so those are some various examples. Now, the last thing I want to leave with you uh, here was some, some caution, some considerations. Again, you need to determine and know your baseline. You can't just jump in and you know, do three days a week and sprint super hard if, if your dog's not doing it on a regular basis. You have to build and know your baseline, what to start with. You have to be able to recognize when form deteriorates um and and recognize subtle signs of soreness and pain and that's a whole nother conversation but you need to be able to be really in tune with your dog and understand the signs that your dog is giving to you that potentially you're overtraining that potentially you're doing too much too soon so part of it is understanding how to design a program using concepts like we covered today but also we have to understand it's not just designing a program and following it we have to constantly be monitoring and adjusting it for our individual dog and these are some things that you need to be aware of and the next thing is also you have to be able to assess progress and monitor recovery time and know what kind of data points what is it that you're using to document success and progress over time because monitoring recovery time is really important because if you're overtraining, you may actually see recovery time decreasing your dog's um um, I'm sorry, increasing your dogs needing more time to recover. Um, if, as your dog's getting more fit, your dog should be able to bounce back more quickly and recover faster. Um, so, um, so it's interesting because if you, um, if you aren't training enough, right, your dog's not progressing and you might need, um, your recovery time maybe stays the same or it increases. You need more time to recover, but also if you over train, sometimes you can see uh, a, a big difference in your recovery time. Your dog's not bouncing back as quickly. So looking and knowing what your dog's recovery is like, just getting back to baseline, getting back to breathing, you know, respiration, um, you know, when they're not panting hard, bringing the body temperature down, how long does it take, considering also variables like the climate, the temperature, the humidity. Uh, and knowing what to assess, so you're looking at different things. It's not, um, it's not just how your dog's panting. It's not just body temperature. There's multiple things to look at to track and to know how your dog is responding to the exercise and training. And then the last one, we only covered two concepts of of exercise science, two principles of exercise. There are many different types of principles grounded in science that we use to inform training, to inform conditioning and program design. So, um, So we definitely did not cover everything. We're only scratching the top surface. And there are a lot of other principles to guide us grounded in science and how to progress further. How many repetitions? How many days per week? which days back to back. And it's going to depend on the exercises, your dog, your baseline. So there's a lot of different um, other concepts to guide you, but hopefully what we went over today to make sure that you understand and minimize the chance of injury or pushing your dog too hard too soon, we need to overload. We need progressive overload in the training. We need consistency, but we also need to apply concepts, concepts of periodization. So we have cycles, Of activity with periodic rest and recovery before we build our dog back up and these are some really really important concepts we have to do when we're designing programs for our dog and then go back to the fit principle we have to think about the frequency the intensity the time and the type of activity we're doing and adjusting decide on a goal decide on what our focus is over the next few weeks and changing one variable at a time but also understanding that variable could impact others so you may increase one variable but you might have to make adjustments to the others or drop back depending on what you're doing because those variables are all interrelated they can affect each other um so if you want to know um know more and you want to know about some of those other concepts some more principles of exercise science and how do you how do you develop those observation those observational skills, those assessment skills. How do we monitor progress? If you want to understand more about that, uh, just a quick reminder that we've got the Elite Canine Athlete Program. It's an online canine fitness program that can lead to becoming a certified canine uh, uh, athlete specialist. Let me see if I can get the brochure to pop up in the comment section. Let me pull this up here and uh and if you want to know more we we have various different types of canine fitness programs but this program is our most comprehensive comprehensive program that goes into the kind of the most information in depth when it comes to program design and safely progressing with your dogs as you see there's a lot of different variables that are we have to consider but this is the program if you're really interested in canine fitness you're super passionate about it and you want to better understand how to safely design those programs and progress going beyond just those two principles we talked about today, this would be the program to check into. So, awesome. Well, thank you, thank you everybody for joining me tonight. I wanna give you, um, or if you're watching this in the afternoon or in the morning, uh, just a quick reminder, you can find us every Friday, 8.30 p.m at the Northeast Canine Conditioning Facebook business page. And I love, love, love having you guys join us live. If you're watching the replay, feel free to add comments and questions. Um, also feel free, um, this is freely available, some really um, great information. And feel free to share it with others if you feel that you got some nuggets of, of useful information, which I feel pretty strongly, you, you, there should be something here that's helping you move forward. And um, please keep these concepts in mind. Please be careful. Yes, we want to overload the body, but we don't want to do too much too soon. Build a baseline, build consistency multiple times a week. um, And you have to consider the fit principles and the various variables that you're changing and um, make sure you don't progress too much too soon and understand those variables are interconnected and you have to modify and understand and learn more about this, learn more about exercise science Um, and learn how to assess and monitor your dog so that you have to adjust to the dog in front of you. There is no kind of blanket program that you just hand over and people blindly follow. That's not how we do it. That's not how we teach it. You have to take all of this in mind and you must accommodate and, and modify and adapt it to the dog in front of you. So All right, you guys, logging off again. Thank you so much. Leave questions, comments, um, and again, feel free to to share. And I hope to see you next Friday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on the Northeast Canine Conditioning Facebook business page. Bye-bye for now.